you think that you published a book Said it's not a big deal, all you need is a hook Then you lie about your age so you don't seem dated A call from your agent and boom, you made it So sorry we think you're a liar, we're older and wiser Hello everyone and welcome to Older and Wiser A podcast about all things publishing and younger I'm your host Marissa Cantor and with me as always is Kelsey Rodkey Hey Kelsey Hi Marissa, how are you? I am excited. This is a fun episode. I feel like things are really starting to like move along. All of these storylines that we've been following are starting to come to a head. Yeah, the, the tension's kind of revving up. But first, as always, I would love to know what you're reading this week. Well, as I texted you earlier, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not reading anything right now. Um, I'm between books, looking forward to picking up one of the many new releases that I've purchased so far this year. I'm not sure I've really, oh my God, I don't think I've read any of the new books that I bought this year yet. <laughs> it's the beginning of March. I, I, yeah, I have a ton of options. They're all calling to me. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll get there. But right now I'm just taking a little breather, trying to find my next audiobook. What about you? Yeah, so I have read the book that I feel it keeps coming up on this podcast, which is Happily Ever Afters by Elise Bryant. And it is as adorable as its cover. And it was just such a nice, like warm, like it was like a comfort read and all about creativity. And it's about a, you know, a girl who has writer's block. And as someone who is trying to get back into the flow of drafting, that really resonated with me. And also she has social anxiety, which... I mean, socially anxious writers are kind of my my jam. It's so fun and charming, and you have to read it. I know, and, and I said on one of these episodes earlier that I really wanted to. It was, like, next on my list, but I'm just so behind on, like, my advanced copies and things like that, so I'm trying to make an effort to get through them. Um, and I'm trying to read a book on, like, every platform, so I'll have, like, a, an ebook, I'll have a, a hard copy, and then I have an audio book. And it just can take a little yeah. bit longer than I would like. I know. I'm really great at buying all the new books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, really good at that. Pre-ordered, no problem. It's just they show up and then they just, like, glare at me. <laughs> yes, I will support you with my with my dollars. Um, and then <laughs> you may sit on my shelf for a little bit. That's the thing is, like, I remember the early days of, you know, now that we have we're authors and we have friends who are also authors and we're critique partners for each other. And there's just a lot of reading. There's a lot of you, yeah. you like want the advanced copies. And then you're like, wait, I physically cannot read as many books as I have right now. Yeah. The other day I, I figured out that I'm in a group chat with like six or seven other people and I'm about to read something from all of them. Like, how did they all write something at the, <laughs> at the same time? And I'm, I'm excited, but I also told them, I'm like, well, I have to finish my manuscript and then I have to revise my second book. Mm -hmm. But then like, I'm all over it. Just I'll just put y'all in a line and go through all of them. And uh, just thinking about it, just like yeah. <laughs> anxiety inducing, but also very exciting. You know, new words, especially from your friends are kind of, almost more exciting than any other kind of reading. Yeah. And it's funny, the timing, because I do think there's something where like we kind of feed off of each other's creativity and like, like I'm really inspired to get work done when I know that you're super into your project too. 
And then it just, everybody's done at once and needs feedback at once. <laughs> and then you're all sitting around not doing anything. anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it's like a, it's a hive brain for like a couple of months where everyone's just working on their project. They're excited because everyone else has something and you can swap, but it's a lot. So many words and just not enough time. Not enough time. <laughs> We're trying. We're doing our best. And in this episode of Younger, we start to see a bit of um, Kelsey, the editor, and her very much handholdy editorial process. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts, a lot of hatred. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we are going to be unpacking Younger Season 1, Episode 7, Broke and Pantyless. In a desperate attempt to come up with some quick cash for her daughter's tuition payment, Liza begins selling her underwear online, trying not to arouse suspicion from Josh. Kelsey sets boundaries in her relationship with Anton as well. That's generous in terms of... Yeah. Like, did she? That that is a generous description. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and um, alternate uh, episode titles or just, you know, podcast titles dancing taco you gotta hand it to pervs man and sniffed and stiffed (laughs) i also liked diana's men are so desperate (laughs) i adore her yeah i think that this episode had a really great balance between the relationship arcs and the publishing arcs like i feel like there was a lot going on and a lot to talk about yeah it kind of it it intertwined a bit the first thing that i just want to say is the whole problem in this episode is that liza's daughter needs tuition money half of her tuition to be exact and i'm just like so wait a second hold up caitlin's tuition is only thirty six hundred dollars right or is it maybe for the semester i i don't know like yeah we know nothing about how this program works but it, it comes back to me wondering, like, how can they afford to send her if they just, you know, sold the house? She's, she had to move in with her friend. Like, what what is going on here? I, I don't know. But when Liza was like, I need $1,800 now, I was just like, wait a second. Where is Caitlin going to school? And in the yeah. year 2015, <laughs> even state schools, that is low. Yeah. No, that would be that would be more in line with like a community college half Mm -hmm. of a semester maybe yeah good for her though it's what Liza needs right now an affordable an affordable school she's not in college right this is just high school Caitlin yeah no she's in college right no she's 15 no she's doing a she's doing a year abroad in high school wait a second they sent their 15 year old daughter right that's why I thought it was crazy to start with Wait, this is blowing my mind. Where is this coming from? Well, yeah, no, I always thought it was a little bizarre because there is at some point later on in the series, they do send her off to college, I think. I'm fact checking this. I'm bow. I am my go, mind. Go for it. Because because um, when we start the show, Liza's coming back after like a 15 year gap because she stopped to raise Caitlin. According to the younger wiki, Caitlin Miller is t- 20 and in India for a gap year. What? No, she might be 20 by the time, like, the current season. She's she's totally 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, don't know. <laughs> they, they, were, they were like, oh, honey, mommy and daddy have to go through a divorce. Can you go to India for a year? That's why, like, when she met, like, a boy or whatever, I was like, 
you're so young and then she like wanted to get married to him or something eventually <laughs> I, I really feel like this is something that like you have no. a conspiracy no <laughs> <laughs> i swear okay regardless caitlin needs money <laughs> <laughs> this is a rabbit hole her daughter needs money and um which is a, a great little way to introduce this like uh respect your privacy plotline with Josh um, because Liza takes a phone call really early in the morning with Caitlin calls her pumpkin Josh overhears and he doesn't he doesn't really say anything to her in that moment even though he's very concerned and suspicious he kind of lets it go until later when he calls her pumpkin and she doesn't really catch on to it but he's trying to figure out why she's on her phone she's acting weird and so he offers up his own phone and she's like no thanks i respect your privacy <laughs> and he's like i do not <laughs> confess you're doing something i think that is a is a good way to kind of intertwine the the two plot lines because you know what liza does affects josh and what she does affects caitlin um and and caitlin and josh have no clue about the other so i think that adds like a nice layer to the story yeah I really like that too and I just like loved the pumpkin like I just <laughs> passed the that's the way that I am when I'm upset too it's just like super passive aggressive <laughs> yeah I would have passed <laughs> so right then and there I would have been like who are you talking to I heard you say pumpkin but also why is Liza answering her phone saying hi pumpkin <laughs> like you're at your boyfriend's house yeah, I mean, in all fairness, she is being sketchy as hell. And yeah. like this whole time, I'm just like, how is she keeping up with this? Because she's really bad at <laughs> just like. Yeah. And was this the episode where? No, it's the next episode where she admits she's like just tired of it all. This is just the beginning. <laughs> she has no clue what's to come for her. Yeah. And she just keeps slipping up in little ways that Josh just thinks is quirky. Like the Gagas for the Go-Go's. Yeah. <laughs> and by the end of the episode, when they do have a discussion about um, like what she was going through, he did ask her about the pumpkin thing and she never answered. And he was completely like over it. He didn't realize she distracted him. Yeah, he was like, what? <laughs> he had such a side hustle going on in this episode. And I think we definitely have to discuss it because they were multiple demeaning side hustles for her to get this extra money for Caitlin. And I find it quite strange she couldn't find something that didn't involve, you know, her body in such a way. There are ways, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there are there are there are ways. Yeah, it can't be that hard to become like an Uber driver or something. <laughs> Not that she has much time, but yeah, it was it was just like, okay, sell your panties or dress up like a Playboy bunny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Those are your options. Yeah. And then in the next episode, we see her babysitting, and that just seems such like such a natural and obvious like you're, you're side a, hustle. Yeah, you're you're this uh, trusting white lady. You can go over <laughs> all around the Upper West Side asking if people need a babysitter, and they'd be like, sure. <laughs> it's just a little bizarre, but I do love that she runs into Charles at her second side hustle when she's being a bottle girl. I totally hate that we don't get to see him really see her until she's turned around and her 
he's like looking at her butt essentially and says i know you yeah i know for me it was like uh, why is this the first real interaction that they yeah. have it's their first real connection that's not about like something else and why yeah and it's just the the power dynamics and like the situation and yeah the like they're the even way more extreme she's being objectified in this moment is yes. just i just like really does this have to be the way <laughs> and then they bring it up in the office liza does it which is kind of like why would you say that but um they talk about how she can wear her hot pants on casual fridays on casual fridays i know i was like gross. so inappropriate <laughs> So like I'm not I'm not loving the actual interaction. I like it in theory. So I guess that could be something to discuss in the critique section of the podcast. But mm-hmm. yeah, I really love the way that Liza's main dilemma kind of sucks everybody in in this episode. You know, you've got Lauren and Kelsey trying to help her. <laughs> you've got Charles at the party. You have Josh curious about what's going on, and then you have Diana who hears half a second conversation from Liza that she needs $1,800. And then the next day, Diana writes her a check, which is not very believable or appropriate, but it's very sweet. And then during a thing that Diana does to show that she's listening, that she cares and that she wants Liza to be, you know, stable while working for her. Yeah. So it, it really ropes everyone into the storyline, which I think is why it feels cohesive and full. Yeah, and I, I love Diana in this episode. I think the thing about Diana is her her words are really sharp, but her actions are really soft. Yes. And you so really soft. see that. Yes. Because my first reaction when she's talking about like, you can't have side hustles. You can't be doing this. It was like, well, then maybe you should pay your employees a living wage. Yes. Uh, I had that noted was like, you can't tell her she can't have a side job. Like publishing does not pay enough. You personally don't really have control over her pay. And then to say that that check was like a bonus, $1,800 bonus seems like insane for a marketing assistant that just started. and also. Your bonus doesn't come directly from your boss's bank account. It's not it how it worked. Yeah. It, it's good in theory. Execution was a little off, but it, it is very much Diana. I think <laughs> all of it is just so Diana. Yeah. Liza even has that line with Charles where she's like, I'm in publishing for love, not money. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> <Y'all>. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> The one, the one true publishing fact on this show. Yes. Gotta be in it for love, not the money. And then, of course, we have to talk about Kelsey and the Swede. So uncomfy, this episode. <laughs> I can't. This really also ties into, like, the publishing section because <laughs> this is not how any of it works. The marketing, for starters, um, how they wanted to send Swedish fish to, to bookstores. I... I'm more surprised that he had a problem with the taste than the fact that they wanted to send candy to a bookstore. Remember just like two or three episodes ago, he stormed out of her office when she had the audacity to to even talk about marketing? Exactly. Like, how do we go from that to like, sure, you can send candy, just not this. You have to send this gross stuff because it's actually Swedish. (laughs) 
Like it doesn't have anything to do with your vague book. <laughs> it's just candy. I know. I'm like, I was like, why? Because he is Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> what does this have to do with his book? And um, yeah. Then you get into everything that's going on with Kelsey and him. Like he he's in the office with her. She is editing his book for him. Essentially, the two sentences that we got out of the book are awful. And he doesn't even care about this book because he's trying to like make a move on her in front of everyone. I just can't. I hate it so much. It's all just so gross. Really? And yeah. And then Diana interrupts. So what I was thinking about this episode and the next is really sad. Kelsey's boyfriend. We haven't seen him in so long. We don't. When we're introduced to Thad, Kelsey, you know, says he's a great boyfriend. She loves him, blah, 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 blah. She's like fine with being demeaned by him because she loves him and treats her man and all that weird, stupid stuff. But we don't know why she is engaging in this affair with the Swede. Like, what, what is she trying to get out of it? Is it just that it's exciting? And if so, why even bother being with Thad? Like, we don't know anything about her, like, real feelings about that so the affair feels weird not acknowledging what's wrong with her relationship what she's seeking from this one I don't know I want <laughs> I hate him but I want more Thad I know I think we said this in a previous episode too but you know things are dark when we are like well what about Thad <laughs> <laughs> yeah Thad's awful but Hanton is worse yeah, um, like bringing her to the candy shop to have her eat the gross candy. And then he refers to her as his girlfriend. And she says, I'm not your girlfriend, Anton. I'm your editor. Like, and then proceeds to make out. With <laughs> I just, I want so much more for her. Me too. And yeah, it's like she finds this affair to be excited. Like, like even, like she can't even really articulate why beyond like, he's a brilliant writer. And hot. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? Like, why this yeah. And then she does this thing where when she tells him, like, I'm not your girlfriend, I'm your editor. Um, she's kind of like distancing herself from the affair, trying to make it seem more okay. Like, no, well, I'm his editor. You know, this is just happening. <laughs> this is the reason we're even around each other because I'm his editor. Like, she, I think she's trying to convince herself that she's not really doing anything bad and that she is still doing her job but you're not <laughs> Kelsey no <laughs> and to go back to Kelsey and her her methods as an editor and the <laughs> editorial process working with Kelsey it is just so far removed from what working with an editor actually is and what editing a book actually is like they're just sitting in front of her computer just like doing line edits. I was just going to say that. Like, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's just how it is when you do translations. You don't really do big picture kind of stuff. So maybe that is kind of acceptable. Maybe that would be what happens is just cleaning up the sentences on a line level. But yeah, I, I the author isn't normally even involved in that. So I mean, it's just so far-fetched. And that's just like the actual editing process that's far-fetched. But then you have her meeting him for things for, obviously this isn't under the guise of her doing her job. It's about the affair or her like going to the candy store and, and things like that. Meeting him after whatever time when she leaves the bar. It goes just so beyond what an editor would do in a normal circumstance. So, I mean, like 
it is interesting how she justifies it to herself and to others like oh it's part of the job but it's not (laughs) and i wonder if we can assume that anton is the translator i don't know because the copy was translated that's how they read it in the first place yeah so who did that (laughs) like why is this book being edited i'm so confused and even like putting all of that confusion aside it's just like anton go home and edit your book like bye go back to sweden to your wife (sighs) your wife that's really the publishing piece and i think we kind of bled into critiquing as we as we usually do yeah but do we want to talk a little bit more about um liza and charles's first interaction and like what we would have preferred to see yeah um do you have anything that you wanted to change this is really the first time we got to see charles outside of empirical and i did appreciate seeing him in this context just outside of the liza piece because he really does come across like she calls him dorky and uncomfortable and that's very endearing to me so i did like to see him out of his comfort zone in that setting but I just think that, like, the outfit could have It was very much like, yeah. I think that they, the only reason they did the outfit is just to add this element of, oh, he's attracted to her. But, like, Sutton Foster's really pretty with a lot of clothes on, too. <laughs> like, that doesn't change the fact. And we're supposed to buy in more to Charles, like, seeing her soul kind of a thing. Like, they're supposed to have a connection on a deeper level. So I think it would have been better if they had met. Not necessarily in a different circumstance, but just an altered one. I feel like the writing was kind of lazy to do that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's absolutely no shade on um, Bottle Girls or just anything to do with that. It's just more about, like you said, they're supposed to have this emotional connection. Like they get each other because they're actually, you know, in similar places in their personal lives. Yeah. So it was just a weird, a weird choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no shame or shade. Uh, it's just, no. It's just how they use the outfit for, like, a very intentional thing. When you, when you factor in the power dynamics and the supposed age difference, it just feels gross. But other than that, I like the banter when they – each other again at work even though that one was also a little gross and inappropriate I I get what they're trying to do and I appreciate it I I like that you know aside from my issues with his behavior (laughs) I do think that it's nice to start to see what she could see in him you know they have a, a real conversation so I can appreciate that that they've laid the groundwork for their relationship in this episode Definitely. And, you know, she is still awkward and bumbling and messing up around him, too. (laughs) Yeah. I I do appreciate that she has trouble keeping up her her guard, her 26-year-old guard when he's around. Um, It's more so in the next episode, but they have a conversation and I'm like, you're not even trying to fake it at this point. Um, Which is a good sign, you know. She's her real self. And not that she's not real with Josh, but obviously there's this, they're at a different level of intimacy in their relationship than Liza and Charles are. So there's this layer of uh, distance. Like they, Liza can't be 
100 with him because she's around him more. They have more uh, conversations, things like that. I feel like in these small little blips, Liza can be more herself with Charles because he's not getting like the big picture like Josh is. And in terms of where she's at in her relationships, Josh is very much this like fantasy for her still. Yeah. Nothing is even super deep yet. There's just that physical chemistry and, you know, the banter that we love so much. It's pure fun. I don't want to say there's no realness to it, but there's not much depth. There's They're very much skimming the surface. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's like you're hot. I'm hot. Let's have fun. Yeah, it's it's just about fun and happiness and trying new things. But like I said, she has to keep up a guard when she does that. Is there anything else? No, I think that sums it up. It was it was a pretty tight episode, I think. I agree. I thought that this was fun. I, I did appreciate that it was the first time it felt like both love interests got fairly equal screen time. It's funny because I'm, I've am been watching this with my mom who's watching it for the first time. And when Charles showed up in the in the club, he she was like, am I supposed to know who this is? <laughs> I was like, well, I understand why you don't. <laughs> it might as well have been his, his introduction. His honestly. introduction. That's, that's what it really felt like. And it was like almost there. It was like, I'll give it like an 80%, like a B minus. Yeah, it, it could have been better, but it was, I'd say it was his introduction as a love interest, as opposed yeah. to an introduction as her boss. And honestly, it's to the point where I wonder if when they were writing, they kind of decided while they were writing that they wanted him to be a love interest. <laughs> Maybe. It's possible with the way he was introduced. But yeah, pretty good episode. They were like, you know what we need? Seven episodes into a 12 episode (laughs) introduction of a love triangle. (laughs) But I mean, this is really the start of everything. So much. Yeah, this was a really good like jump into act two kind of a thing. (laughs) Felt like, yeah, this is where stuff gets serious. Uh, We know everybody. We they all have their own things going on. This is where it, it becomes sink or swim kind of like Liza's boss she has like a relationship and inside jokes with him now and um (laughs) it makes the stakes a little higher it was it was good who is getting the six-figure advance for this episode Lauren (laughs) (laughs) oh Lauren tell me tell me why she's a side hustle queen and she's a supportive friend like (laughs) when she um helped Liza dive into selling her panties (laughs) She even offered to throw in her own pair. Like, that's a good friend. She had all these ideas. <laughs> she she got Liza started. She knew the guy who did the bottle service job. She's perfect. I love her. <laughs> who do you pick? Yeah. Talk about, like, no shame and no judgment. Like, Lauren is that. She's perfect. She, will, she is down for anything and everything. Yes. And we love that about her. I adore her. So I think I'm actually going to swing in the other direction if you are giving it to the person who kind of like kicked off the journey of this episode. I'm going to give mine to Diana because she just came through in a moment of need. And I thought that it was another thing like we keep getting little small glimpses of who Diana really is. And I thought that this was a great um, example of that. If I could give the six-figure advance to diana and lauren every episode (laughs) 
I would. I think they are brilliant characters. They have such large personalities and they're so different to uh, each other. I could just always be entertained by them. And they always do something that like affects the plot when they're in the episodes, you know? It's so good. And it really makes me think about, so this is the equivalent of the award that Sam and I give out on the outfit repeaters. It's it often week over week goes to the you know the main cast the the Lizzie or Matt Lizzie and Matt are winning as you would think they should be uh, since they're the main characters but I think that it's really more of a to- going to be a toss up I think everybody's in the game with younger because every character even down to the more like minor characters are so well fleshed out and always like have their moments like yeah. And and they're more consistent than a, a children's show character, to be honest, because like Lizzie McGuire kind of resets every episode. And this is kind of a more continued story <laughs> throughout the season. So there's character arcs and growth that you can really uh, follow. And it just makes the characters better each episode. So, yeah, everyone gets their moment to shine and be helpful and also be awful, which is something I love. <laughs> yeah, we love mess. We love mess. We love mess. I think, yeah, my notes for Kelsey in this episode were just like Kelsey plus Anton equals mess. I don't know how much more of him I can take, to be honest. That is pretty much a wrap on season one, episode seven. A really fun episode to talk about. I think that the odd episodes have been more um, filler in the past, but this one, like we said, the tension is really escalating. Yeah, this one. All the storylines are coming together. It was a great episode. This one felt intentional and like they hit their groove in the writing. Good episode. So every week we close with a podcast recommendation. And this week, um, I would like to recommend the podcast Deadline City. That's the one I was going to (laughs) say. Oh my God, we're so in sync, Kelsey. We did not talk about this ahead of time. No, I know. (laughs) We usually do. When you charged on, I was like, okay, I'm ready to add something to my list. But that's what I had. Yes, perfect. It's it's great. It is so good. It's hosted by Danielle Clayton and Zoraida Cordova. And each week, they just go really in depth about publishing and the process. And as as an early career baby author, I just have learned so much from their wisdom just like being in the game a lot longer than we have um in terms of they just did one on agenting and like what is a bad agent versus what is a bad for you agent they just they're they don't shy away from you know industry controversy and they're just great they're just so smart and it's a great listen yes definitely i actually listened to I think it's called episode zero. The very first one they did where they introduced themselves. I actually listened to it today. And I was just, I love hearing about people's process and finding out that uh, Zoraida had like, I don't know, she wrote like eight manuscripts in a year. (laughs) Something wild like that. (laughs) She's prolific. Writes so much. She is so prolific. I don't, I I don't understand. It's incredible. It, it is. And I am so excited to keep listening to that uh, podcast because finding out stuff like that blows my mind. And it also is super motivating, <laughs> even though she said she was like exhausted. and It was like a horrible time. I love talking about publishing and hearing people talk about yeah. publishing, obviously. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to really dive into this podcast. 
Um, they have a really great episode on burnout. Oh, yes. And like professional jealousy. And like they really get into it. Yeah. It's kind of like everything you discuss with people, like you, your friends in the industry, but they say it in such a way that it's like you can relate to them, you can agree with them, you can find out something new. It's just very. I, I I can't believe that I didn't get into it more last year when I started listening to podcasts. Um, but that just means I have a lot to catch up on. Thankfully, a lot of content going into year number two of lockdown. You know, I need some some oh, things boy. to fill my time. <laughs> I mean, I could be writing, yes. but why would I do that? Why <laughs> writing? I don't know her. What is that? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I love that you're about to go on this journey yeah, through I Deadline City. It's, it's <laughs> so good. Now we are closing the book on this episode of Older and Wiser. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OlderWiserCast. I'm at Marissa Cantor on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Kelsey Rodkey on Twitter and at KRodK on Instagram. As always, be sure to check out the other various paginated media podcasts. The Outfit Repeaters was off this week, but Sam and I will be back next week to recap another episode of Lizzie McGuire. And Crowning Around is on hiatus right now, but Sam, Ivan, and Carlin will be back this summer with season two of The Crown. And Kelsey and I will be back next week to continue our discussion of all things publishing and younger with season one, episode eight, Skate. The end. <laughs>